Hello and welcome to Weep Spawn, where we talk about anything and everything related to anime and gaming. We are by no means experts, just huge fans. I'm your host, Bobby, and with me is Joshua. Hello, Bobby. Glad to be doing another episode. And in today's episode, we are going to be talking about Sword Art Online Aincrad Arc. And as always, spoilers ahead. Yeah, so I just want to say um, before we start that sorry if you hear any background noise. I have a 3D print going. Uh, hopefully it doesn't get picked up, but never know. And also, sorry if there's background noise because I have a window open because it's the first time in months that it's over 50 degrees. So, yeah, I'm embracing that. So hopefully no one from outside uh, comes in. But let's get started. So Sword Art Online is a science fantasy anime series adapted from the light novel series of the same title written by Reiki uh, Kawahara. And it's illustrated by, I don't know if this is ABEC or ABC, probably ABEC. Uh, but yeah, I didn't really look up the pronunciation, but that's fine. Uh, not super important. So it was produced by A1 Pictures and it was directed by Tomohiko Ito. And the series aired on July 8th to December 23rd of 2012 on Tokyo MX, and it spanned 25 episodes. It was later broadcast by 12 other stations, and Aniplex of America announced that the English-dubbed version would air on Adult Swim's Toonami programming block starting on July 28th of 2013. The first DVD and Blu-ray disc volumes were released in Japan on October 24th, 2012, and included on June 26th of 2013, with all nine volumes containing a bonus Sword Art Offline episode. In North America, Aniplex of America released the series in four Blu-ray DVD volumes on August 13th of 2013. Now, honestly, before like right now and doing this i didn't realize how long ago sword art the first season came out and it is shocking to me like it was kind of just like a throwback because i remember watching it in high school but at the same time it's like it didn't feel like it was that long ago 10 years yeah it's actually really insane that it aired i don't think i watched it right when it aired I think I watched it like a year later or like when it was concluding because I remember watching it my first year of college, which would have been your senior year of high school. Because right. you actually, this was one of the animes you actually got yeah. me in. Yeah, back when I didn't have the best taste in anime. <laughs> Just kidding. No. Uh, What's that supposed to yeah, say about I, me then? <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> we. You still have bad taste in anime, is what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, I remember watching this. Yeah, I was just like, I would always sit at night watching the new episode when, whenever it came out. I don't remember what days, but um, I'm pretty sure I was like watching it on Toonami every time. And it was just like, it was fun because that was when it was like fun to sit in front of a TV program and be like, oh my God, my block's coming up. I'm about to watch it. But now it's just, like, easy to stream on Funimation Toonami because they get released at, like, midnight, and it's you can watch it whenever. It's not as exciting anymore. Whereas if you missed it, you couldn't watch it the next day, typically. You'd have to wait for, like, the blo the next 
program block where it'd like probably play one episode prior to and then jump into your next one. So yeah, it was it was fun. And I miss that. But also it's like, holy shit, that was ten years ago. Yeah, it's insane how long it's been. I oh man. We need to do a tsunami episode because Oh, I would love to do a tsunami episode. Tsunami is also idea. one I've mentioned this in what podcast was it? Oh, I mentioned this in another one, but oh, what got us into anime? Yeah, one of our very early ones. Toonami had a lot of it going on. There, were, I forget what other channel, uh, like Naruto and stuff on, but I remember Toonami being a huge one. And that's actually because you mentioned you always waited for the new episode. I was really into the Prince of Tennis, and that aired back. I watched that without even realizing like what anime was back in like junior high and that actually got me because i always kind of had an interest in tennis and watching mm-hmm. that anime really wanted me to get into tennis and i started actually playing tennis a lot more and everything so just hearing that story of how you always waited for that block to come up prince of tennis for me was one of that one which was kind of weird because it wasn't wow. your like the typical animes that a lot of people watch or mm-hmm. even i watch nowadays but i still hold the prince of tennis in high regard it's funny that you mentioned Prince of Tennis because when we first started doing this podcast, I remember one of the listeners reached out and was saying how you mentioned Prince of Tennis and they were actually really excited that you said that because they almost like nobody talks about Prince of Tennis and nobody knows what it is. And that person was very excited because somebody finally mentioned Prince of Tennis and how they liked it. So, uh yeah, it's just one of those nostalgia things that people click to. So <laughs> I had no idea what Prince of Tennis was up until that episode of the podcast where you mentioned it. But you went full on weeb to where you watched <laughs> an anime about tennis, and then you went out and started playing tennis because you're that much of a weeb. To be honest <laughs> with you, I had an interest in tennis first, it, but I it know. was just like that caught me and then made me want to play more yeah and if that listener is still watching just to let you in on a little secret it has over 200 episodes i've watched every single of those episodes three times i've seen the entire series three times oh my god and the yeah you probably should have kept that to yourself no and the sequel the new prince of tennis but that only had like 23 episodes i think i've saw i i watched that like twice and I've seen all the Prince of Tennis movies. So if you're listening, still doing it, don't worry. I'll keep the I'll keep it alive. <laughs> <laughs> but enough of that. Back to SAO. Yeah, a little nostalgic, <laughs> but yeah, we're we're back. So the story of the first season follows the adventure of Kazuto Kirigaya, otherwise known as Kirito, and Asuna Yuki. Two players who are trapped in the virtual world of Sword Art Online, or SAO, they are tasked to clear 100 floors and defeat the final boss in order to be freed from the game. And the other arc, because this is going to be a synopsis of the whole thing, but we're only going after the Aincraft, Aincrad arc, the other arc, two months after the death game, Kazuto discovers that Asuna is being held captive in Elfheim Online, a spiritual successor to SAO, where the players assume the roles of fairies. Kazuto enters the game and allies with him, himself allies himself with his sister Sugaha Kirigaya, also known as Lifa, to rescue Asuna from captivity. As we already mentioned, we I started watching this basically when it first came out, 
Um, I might have missed the first episode or two, but then I caught up on it and then started watching the block on Tsunami. Yeah, this show, I really liked it. I mean, I still do like it, at least the first half of it, the part we're going over right now. I don't think it's terrible. There are definitely some things in it that I would change. But overall, I don't think it's a terrible anime, at least as it started out. So watching this, it was really captivating for me. The thing that drew me in, I think, was the fact that, like, obviously we're both gamers. We both are really into sort of i was used to be into like mmo type stuff not as big as you because i know you played like wow and and things like that but just the fact of being in a video game was a really attractive um plot points for me not the death portion of it that was attractive in other ways of (laughs) just the sense of danger not that i would actually want to do that but it was just such an appealing show to me so it just drew me in it related to everything i liked like obviously i like anime but also it hit video games so it hit both categories and yeah it was just one of those ones where you have this op character or this character that is pretty op and like works his way through the games yeah it's just a really fun one and i don't know if you kind of relate on the the attractiveness of the plot and everything in the same way or if there was some other reasons why you enjoyed this one yeah definitely i think so (laughs) this is going to be a controversial opinion but oh no i think sao and log horizon both did the video game genre good they both took it in different aspects sort of online more did it from i think a player's perspective on what a lot of people would think because obviously it's a death game where log horizon did more political aspects on if you were just trapped in the world where you could still die because you could you would respawn in log horizon so it's more like assimilating yourself in the game world so it's the same thing but they took two different approaches i've seen a lot of other like animes that are like people join in from a video game or whatever and the main character is just so op that he doesn't like struggle at all at least in sao kirito struggles with whether it's like actual monsters himself or like just the environment or the cheating game maker. yeah so <laughs> i really think that sao took a good precedent for other video game animes whether people like it praise it despise it or whatever because sao is a huge topic on controversy whether it's good or bad but i think they did the video game genre good because of like the portion they did it and how many struggles Kirito had to go through instead of just being OP and going through everything, no problem. You know, there's a debate on whether it's good or bad, and I think this is one of those unique scenarios where it hits both, um, both sections right on the head. It's both good and it's both very bad. Yeah, I don't think it's without and... flaws, but like I said, I think it at least... Yeah did the video game genre anime good yeah i need to watch uh you said it was log horizon yeah there's yeah i still need to watch that seasons i think oh that's not bad i think there's only two seasons and it's basically completed oh shit all right well i need to watch that and maybe we can do an episode next season or something because the season is coming to an end very soon uh, for all you listening. This is the third from last of this season. So we're going to be taking a small break after that. Uh, but yeah, just a heads up. <clears throat> so to kind of start off the story, 
it takes place in a V a VR MMO or a virtual reality massive multiplayer online game and th- these MMO the VR MMOs have been on the rise and the most famous one that came out or is coming out is the new Sword Art Online or SAO on the Nerve Gear which a Nerve Gear is, Nerve Gear is like this super high tech Oculus Rift it immerses you into the game rather than you're just in the game looking through the gear it actually like taps into your nervous system and completely like immerses you into the game (laughs) so our protagonist is kirito and he is very excited to enter the world of sao again so as we find out he was one of the beta testers and yeah so he's being able to encounter this world all over again he had the the honor of kind of testing it and kind of figuring out flaws and getting the the hype of the game. So he meets a new stranger named Klein, and they talk over a few hours as Kirito explains the basics to him before Klein attempts to log out and finds out that the logout button is missing. So this is a, a pretty big deal. This wasn't a bug in the beta edition, so how did the logout button just vanish? Soon, the Game Master shows up, who is Akihiko uh, Kayaba, and he summons them all to the the town square to tell them that they can no longer log out. And this is not a bug or a glitch. He explains that if you force the helmet off of you, you will die. And if your health bar reaches zero, you you will die in the game, which will cause you to die in real life. Kirito now goes off on his own to quickly gain levels using his previous knowledge of the game. So, yeah, this is this is a pretty crazy experience cuz you're you're just trying to play a fucking game and all of a sudden the game creator's like, "Yeah, that's that's not happening. You can't you can't leave." And then Kirito Kirito has the unique ability of having the knowledge of playing this game previously, so he can quickly find the spots to grind a little bit and get stronger than all the other players. So he has an edge to everyone else. Which we may find to bite him in the ass, at least according to other people, because after just over one month, 2,000 players have already died. And now Kirito and some others are finally having a meeting to discuss how to find the boss room, because they're still on the first floor because in order to advance, you have to defeat the boss room, which unlocks the next floor. So the meeting is led by a guy named Dialvel, who he and his party has discovered the boss room. And now they are discussing ways to defeat him when someone, I believe his name is like Cabrero or something like that, tries to put the fall of the deaths on the beta testers. But just as he was kind of getting the crowd on his side, this is when Agile comes up and counters his argument by saying, did everyone receive this handbook that tells them everything like people need to know? Well, it turns out it was actually made by the beta testers and handed out by them themselves, yet people still died. So he's saying he's not here to discuss whose fault it is they died, But everyone had equal knowledge of it, and people still died. And he's like, now, I don't want to take this discussion room for this. The real reason we're here 
and that's for the boss room. So everyone quiets down, and then everyone decides to start forming parties. Now, Kirito, being a loner, ends up seeing another person who is alone and decides to team up with them. And now, with everyone ready, they prepare for the boss fight. And during the fight, everything seems to be going well. That is, until the final moments, where instead of surrounding it, Daviel tries to last hit it, but the weapon changed and Kirito tries to warn him, but it's too late and he takes a fatal hit. He tries to heal him, but he like refuses for some unknown reason. I, I seriously don't understand that. And it's revealed that he was also a beta tester. Afterwards, he and his partner, who we find out is Asuna, they end up finishing the boss by themselves. But this has caused some strife because that guy who called out the beta testers earlier heard him call out and say like he was holding back information because he was a beta tester. So Kirito decides to take on all this blame on himself so other beta testers would, uh, wouldn't get caught in it. And he ends up being called a beater, which he ends up taking it with pride. I? Okay. Um, yeah, so the whole thing is the beta testers were called cheaters and shit. So I, I like the nobility of him taking all the blame onto himself. But could he have picked a better name? Like, he calls himself a beater. <laughs> and I just think that is the corniest name he could have chosen. Like, I get it, he's like a beta tester cheater mix, so it's a beater, but oh, it just is a weird name, and I don't like it. To be fair, he didn't actually come up with it. Someone in the crowd, he's like, he's a beta tester, and he's like, he said, he claimed like he has more information than inform brokers or something, so he's like, you're a cheater, and then someone's like, you're a beater, and he's like, a beater, yeah, that sounds good. I'll yeah. go, like whatever he decides it's, to take it yeah. <laughs> um but i also i thought this would be more of a critical thing in the show like i thought being a beater was gonna cause him more trouble than it actually did i feel like it was one of those things that they kind of introduced and then it just died off like no one cared that he was a beta tester after after a few episodes yeah it only came up like i think one other time yeah, and it wasn't as big as of a deal as they made it out to be. It really wasn't, and I don't know if like maybe the light novel was different, and maybe it was, That's but true. yeah, that it probably is the case. Besides one other instance, it really didn't affect. Like, I get that they added it probably for more of a character development type scenario, showing he is selfless in that aspect of protecting the other characters, but yeah. You're probably right. It was probably the light novel that dove more into it, just like how in solo leveling there was the whole relationship between yeah. them. So, yeah, that's probably what it is. Also, if I were in this game, I, I get Kirito is different because he already played the game. He's confident. He knows what he's doing. I probably would end up being a pussy and just hiding in the main lobby for years until they finally beat this game. I probably wouldn't, I never would have wanted to be in the front lines, but I probably would have at least gone to, like, the areas people know are safe or, like, yeah. so I would have been severely underleveled, but, yeah, I 
I don't think I, I would have became just a support. <laughs> yeah, I would have became a support or a healer or something. Cause or a crafter. That. Yeah, something like yeah. that. So yeah, so after he gets calls himself a beater, we finally see the loner Kirito join a guild, and this guild's name the Moonlit Black Cats. But he decided to keep his level a secret as it was way higher than all of the others. And he was probably around like level 40 while everyone else was around like level 20 at the time. He gets any he, while he's in this, he does start to break away from his loner shell. He kind of gets close to one other member in particular. And this character's name was Sachi. And she confesses that she's scared of dying here. But he reassures her and saying he's going to protect her. So we have this like really sad emotional moment where she's just going, she's in it for the ride, but she just doesn't want to be here anymore. Like she's afraid of dying and you start to get this emotional connection to her. And, um, he, so yeah, he protects her or says he's going to protect her. He said this knowing that his level is much higher and, um, didn't think much of it. After a while, the guild leader leaves to go and buy a house for the guild uh, because their hard work is finally paying off. So the rest of the guild decides to go to the dungeon and get some extra money. However, they soon encounter a deadly trap called a monster room. And a monster room is basically a room where you get trapped inside and it spawns a shit ton of monsters. And the only way out is for you to defeat them all. Kind of like solo leveling's double dungeon that <laughs> they went into in the very beginning. You have to beat them all to get out or die. So Kirito then watches one by one as the members die off. When the leader comes back, Kirito has to tell him what happened. And this drives, like, heart, breaks the leader's heart. And he eventually commits suicide after that. Afterwards, Kirito learns of a secret boss named Nicholas the Renegade, where he goes to fight it solo. But they run into trouble when another guild tries to interfere, but Klein holds them off as Kirito defeats the boss. He obtains the revival item he wanted, but can only be used within 10 seconds of death, so he gives it to Klein. Uh, at night, Kirito receives a pre-recorded message from Sachi telling him that he's not to blame if she died, because she secretly took a look at his level and tells him to keep living strong. So, yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty tragic moment here. He starts getting close to a guild for once in his life. Like, he takes the loner life and leaves it behind for a little brief moment. Then he, they get trapped in this dungeon. Said he's going to protect these people. Didn't protect them. And then he goes through all this trouble to get a revival thing. And he can't even use it because they're already actually dead. And yeah, he basically gets thrown back into the loner life because he doesn't really want to deal with that again. He doesn't want a guild that is going to die. But I also don't understand why he didn't just like go all out and just kill the demon, the monsters. But I don't know. I think he was trying to, cause I think the monster room from what he said was based on either like the average level or like the level it had to do something with levels i think oh so maybe he upped the average yeah level of the team so they were pretty and that's why he couldn't like just outright defeat them all because though he was probably a higher level because if you probably took the average it probably would have been like let's say like 30 
And so they were too much for the other people. Not to mention they were panicking where he kind of knew to stay calm because he's been fighting solo all his life that he just couldn't defeat him quick enough because he would have to protect and attack, which even if you're strong, unless you were able to one-shot everyone, would have been hard regardless. And, you know, it kind of sucks for him too, the fact that it was an average type of thing because he knows then that he's the reason they all died. Because if he wasn't in there, they would have at least stood a chance because their levels would have been lower. Yeah, and I think that's why it hit him even harder. And then especially when he read that like pre-recorded message and everything, uh, it did get kind of emotional. It's just like, God damn. You got to remember, this kid is only like 12 years old and right. they have to deal with death and all this stuff. And it's like, holy shit. No wonder he ends up going solo for the rest of his time. <laughs> Yeah. So, as the story goes on, he go. The story goes to a female beast tamer named Silica, who, after having an argument with her current group, decides to leave, only to get ambushed by some monsters. Her dragon familia Pina sacrifices herself to protect her, and just when she thought she was about to die, Kirito comes in and saves her. But her familiar was already dead. But Kirito tells her of a way to revive her familiar. But it's on the 47th floor. To which he gives her some new equipment to boost her levels. And decides to accompany her on the way. After they manage to get... I forget if it's a flower or a feather. I think it was a flower. To revive her dragon. They are confronted by Roselia. One of her former groupmates. Learning that she is a part of a killing guild and about orange players who are people, if you look on the cursor, there's green, orange, and red. Orange players, if you're orange, means you attacked another player. If you're red, it means you killed another player. And so Kirito decides to fight them by himself. And we learn because his level is so much higher than the rest, they literally cannot outdamage his self-healing. And he talks about how Rosella killed some group or something. And this guy desperately kept fighting to the front lines to buy this crystal that would teleport her and all her guildmates to jail. And which he does. He manages to single-handedly destroy basically whatever. I forget what the guild was called. But take Rosalia and her all her guildmates to jail. And then later on, Silica thanks Kirita for her help as she is able to revive her dragon, Pina. Yeah, so touching. Her her little dragon. So precious. <laughs> so, although Kirito is a solo, solo player, he does help out on the front lines. So we see them, like everyone in a meeting, when he confronts Asuna about a plan to lure a boss to a village that will kill the NPCs in the village. And he's really against this plan because he doesn't want to kill NPC players. And this is when Asuna and him have a fight about them only being NPC players. They don't actually die in real life, so it's not really a big deal. And they had this little scuffle. But soon after the scuffle, Asuna sees Kirito lazing around and she, uh, he convinces her to take a break with him as well. 
and she ends up falling asleep and um, is annoyed but thankful that Kirito is watching over her and she repays him with a meal. And during their time uh, together here, they witness a death in a safe zone, which thoroughly prompts an investigation because you are definitely not supposed to die in safe zones or else the name is kind of uh, pointless. So they meet up with Yoko and her boyfriend, uh, Kynes, Kynes, who were formerly party members of a guild called the Golden Apple, who were disbanded after their leader died. They end up taking the sword that killed the player back to Agil, who appraises it and finds out it was made by a player named Grimlock. The players think it's the ghost of the, their leader, uh, Griselda, because she died while attempting to sell a valuable ring uh, she obtained while defeating a boss. And while discussing this, Yoko suddenly is suddenly stabbed with a throwing knife from outside the window and falls to her death. So, like, shit starts going crazy. Like, some NCIS shit is going down. <laughs> People are just being murdered in towns, and they're trying to do some thorough investigation to figure out what the fuck is going on. This is... It's definitely very different from the original feel of the game we were getting. Like, they kind of throw this in to just kind of break up the show. Because we are getting a lot of battles and just, like, fighting and stuff. But now we have some more introduction of player-on-player conflicts. And it was very neat. I didn't hate this portion of it, even though it wasn't very action-y. Kind of showed the the human mentality of being locked in this game and how it kind of starts to fuck with their minds and people start doing evil shit. Yeah, I definitely liked how it wasn't just straight, like, battling because you have to admit, like, I feel like we find out a little later that they've been in, they'll eventually be in this game for, like, two years. And it's like, people would have motivation at the start, don't get me wrong. Once they started realizing they could defeat like floor bosses and everything and usually for like mmos the beginning you level up pretty quickly but then you kind of hit a wall once you get to like mid-level like say the cap is at level 100 once you get to like 60 to 70 range level leveling up becomes a lot harder and like you will stall so I like the fact that they kind of like showed this, that it wasn't just all battling because you know out of everyone there, there's going to be some people with bad intentions. Yeah, and I, I do feel like as, like you said, you start to stall out on leveling up. People would have that motivation in the beginning. But also like you that stagnation where you're not leveling up as fast would definitely be a motivation killer. But also, I think the biggest motivation killer would be the fact that your friends and people around you are dying. And then it's like, oh, shit, maybe we should, like, just lay low and relax for a little bit. So then start people start to stagnate. And then there's this, like, sense of struggle and the fact that you're trapped and you're not going to be able to get out because people are starting to settle down. So it's, like, it's one of those things. Like, it, I feel like it's actually realistic in this portion. Yeah. And so we see Kirito tries to pursue Grimlock when from the window he like we see her fall and he looked at the window and saw like this road figure so he goes and tries to pursue him 
and he uses a teleport crystal to disappear. Later on, they Kirito and Asuna decide to meet up to discuss the investigation and like come up with leads and everything. And she hands him a sandwich that he accidentally drops and watches disappear. That's when he starts to realize what is actually going on. And one cool thing, it doesn't really... Because it doesn't really tell us what actually is going on at this point. And when Kirito finds out, it do, the show doesn't tell us. So we're still left to believe that people are actually dying. I guess this is kind of spoilers. But anyways. Meanwhile... We are shown Griselia's grave where 200 figures start to interrogate Schmidt, who is, who was another former member of the party who now is in like a big name guild. So they believe that he is the true killer because all of a sudden he went from this no-name guild to this really upstart guild. So they thought she, uh, he killed her, got the ring, and got the money for himself. But he starts like begging for his life and everything. But before anything could happen, we see some red players from Laughing Coffin show up. But luckily, before they can attempt anything, Kirito arrives and bluffs, saying that a guild force is coming with them to arrest like whoever. And so Laughing Coffin, not wanting to take the risk, backs off when Kirito begins to explain everything that went on. And... For those who don't know, basically what happened was they, the sword that went through the person's chest and the knife that was in their back, it was only attacking like the equipment or armor. So they were it was slowly depleting depleting the duration of their armor, and then right when it depleted, they used a teleport crystal, so it looked like they died, but in fact they just teleported right at the exact moment their equipment disintegrated and that's how they quote-unquote fake their death so now they and then Kirito decides to show him who actually was the real killer which was Grimlock who was the husband of Cresselia and after everything was finally settled they are starting to leave Cresselia's grave when Kirito and Asuna turn around and they actually see the gro- ghost of Griselda thanking them. So on the, the 48th floor, Kirito meets a blacksmith named uh, with the, by the name of Lisbeth. When he requests to have some custom have a custom sword made from her, he shows her his current sword, which was the Elucidator. I don't know if yeah. that's actually pronounced. Yeah, which is one of the most powerful swords currently and when she offers her best made one he destroys it with one hit and i would have been pissed if i was elizabeth i'd be like are you fucking kidding me like you don't pay for that (laughs) so elizabeth demands that she gets some help to get a rare material from a crystal dragon and the two go off together to obtain this so clearly dying in the so nearly dying in the process, Lisbeth seems to develop fearing, feelings for Kirito and decides to put um, put her all into making this new sword. And Kirito names this sword Dark Repulsor. And just after creating it, she attempts to confess like her love for him and Asuna arrives and interrupts them. 
she realizes that Asuna's feeling or she realizes Asuna's feelings and becomes heartbroken and runs away. Kirito chases after her and Elizabeth strengthens her resolve of never telling him her true feelings and instead says she will be his personal blacksmith. So if he needs anything, just stop by anytime. And I feel like that was one of the most cliche things you can do in anime, but it's anime. So I would expect nothing. (laughs) It was. And it's like, I know they needed to add her as a character, but I mean, I guess that's kind of how all these like supporting characters came because Silica showed up for one episode and then you don't see her until Alfheim. Same with like Lizbeth. They just kind of put these characters in and I'm not really sure sometimes because it's like, did you really just put that in just to add to Kirito's quote-unquote harem that he doesn't really have feelings for literally anyone besides Asuna so it's kind of like yeah it's like they're like man there's a standard in anime that we just haven't hit yet let's throw another girl in that has feelings for him that'll that'll clear the air and these are that'll hit her quote this is part of the flaws that I said like that it's a good anime but it does have its own flaws and like one of them was just adding these kind of like random girls to whatever but yeah, so after the 48th floor, he heads back to the 74th floor while he was hunting for whatever. I don't know exactly why. Probably just like leveling up and stuff. He runs into a rare rabbit that contains one of the highest quality meats you can get. Though sadly, his cooking skills aren't high enough to actually use it. So he goes and attempts to sell it to Agile, who he can't like do anything with it either so he's like i don't know like what you want me to do but once again asana interrupts her timing seems impeccable i swear always right when like something's about to happen she always interrupts she's just got a feel for it she knows she's like okay now is the time to interrupt <laughs> asana then explains that she maxed out her cooking skill and that she's willing to cook the meat for half the share She's being accompanied by a bodyguard named Curladil. I think that's how you pronounce it. Because of her position in the guild, she is currently second in command. Who opposes this learning that Kyoto is a quote-unquote beater. Once again, this is like the only time it actually shows up and actually has a negative impact. (laughs) The only time. It's like, okay, after that, it's like no one gives a shit. For real. And then... But Asuna disregards him and invites Kirito anyways. While having a meal, Asuna very politely convinces Kirito, by holding a knife to his neck, to team up with her for the next expedition. The next day, they head to the 74th floor to scout out when Kirito comes back and challenges Kirito to a duel, which he is easily beaten in front of many people. Finally, they can go and scout the 74th floor where they manage to find the boss room but quickly retreat knowing it's too much for them to handle. Yeah, so Asuna rolled a 20 on her um, persuasion skill. (laughs) And Kirito had to roll with it. She rolled a nat 20 while he rolled a nat 1 to oppose. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, after retreating, the two decide to take a break and uh, eat some 
prepared food that Asuna cooked when they run into Klein and his guild, Furinkazan. Furinkazan. Yeah. So Klein immediately starts to question the relationship since he's always been a solo player. And when a player named Kobats and his guild, uh, the Eincred Liberation Force, shows up and demands to know where the boss room is. A few moments after they leave, they hear screams, and they see they challenge the boss. So, um, yeah, they, they fucked up. Kirito, and, Kirito, Asuna, and Klein, not wanting to see everyone die, decides to help fight. And, like, honestly, if the boss is too difficult, I mean, this might be your time to jump in and challenge a boss since everyone's fighting it. But at the same time, it's like, I almost... I would have lost if I went in alone or with these few people. So let's just not get involved and not have to worry about it. But Kirito doesn't like to see people die. So, so the battle doesn't go as well as they hoped as Kirito has to use his hidden skill, which is dual wielding with this. He's able to solo finish the boss with just a sliver of health remaining. And this was like one of those moments where it's like, Oh shit. Like Kirito's actually starting to, get wrecked so you thought he was OP but now it's like okay maybe he's not as OP as we imagined now the problem is he brought a lot of attention onto um, he brought the attention of Heathcliff the leader of the Knights of the Blood Oath onto him and Asuna's guild who is she's second in command and basically is forced into a duel if he wins Asuna can quit and the other two can go wherever they want together but if he loses he must join the guild so revealing this little skill really put him into a predicament and to be honest with you watching this is probably one of the cool fights because i actually enjoyed this boss fight even though it wasn't like terribly long obviously because he's like solo but it did kind of show off like his skill and everything like going on with it it was a it was a pretty cool scene i completely agree i really like this fight and then the whole thing with the uh, the duel thing that I forgot to write in, if you guys are a little confused on it, is like right after this near-death experience and everything, Asuna kind of like, well, they both a little bit like break down and was like, uh, why do we have to keep doing this? when people aren't like supporting us and everything this is kind of when they the whole when i mentioned the whole like stagnation everything and they kind of just want to run away from it all but because she's second in command she can't really do that and that's where this whole duel comes in so back on the 75th floor this is where the duel will happen when asana warns kirito that heathcliff also has a hidden skill that maximizes his strength with a sword and defense with a shield. So when he's hold when he's equipped both a sword and a skill, he has this forget what the hidden skill is called. At first, Kirito is pushed back, but soon starts to get the upper hand. And right when he thinks he's about to land a decisive blow, he gets knocked down and defeated. And now he is a member of a guild. Kirito Kirito I can't say his name. Kirito confides to Asuna why he hates guilds and about what happens with the moonlit black cats. And then soon after, he is told to go on a mission as a mean to prove his worth as a rookie 
and is accompanied by Gottfried and Credil, the asshole that was trying to, like, embarrass Kirito, but it turned against him. Now, during the trip, Curdil poisoned the water that they drank, and that paralyzes the two of them, both Godfrey and Kirito, when he tells them that he's actually a member of Laughing Coffin. He then brutally murders Godfrey and begins to torture Kirito when Asuna luckily comes in and saves him once again right when he had like a sliver of health left. Asuna, forcing Curdil to surrender, Lowers his guard when Kuradil tries to kill her, but Kirito comes to defend her and kills him in the process. Now, again, after this near-death experience, Kirito asks to stay the night with Asuna at her house. The next scene is highly debated on what actually happened between the two, as we see Kirito and Asuna sharing a bed together, with Kirito promptly asking to marry her, and she says yes. Ah, yep. Yeah. This, uh, this part. Mm-hmm. The stagnation starts to get real um, at this point, right? Because this one they uh, start to live together <laughs> forever. I mean, you also Kirito just went through literally two death, near death experiences. Which, in what I'm assuming, like a one-day time frame. Like, right after the boss, yeah. he goes to the guild, has a duel, nearly dies, and then it's like, okay, within t- two days, he's literally been within, like, a slap of death. <laughs> yeah, but this is like, this dude's 12. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Afterwards, they ask for this temporary leave of absence from the Knights of the Blood Oath to go on a honeymoon. And also because of the fact that um, one of the guild members tried to kill them. So Heathcliff agrees. He's like, you know what? Yeah, I guess I will approve this leave of absence. But remember, you only get 12 weeks paid time off. So <laughs> you got to come back. And <laughs> So they go to a village and they reside in a log cabin on the 22nd floor. And while exploring forest there, they meet a girl who seems to have lost her memory, and they think maybe this is a glitch since she doesn't have a cursor above her head. They take her home, and then that's when she starts to remember that she, her name is Yui, and she calls Kirito and Asuna, Papa and Mama. And the three of them go to the first floor where there's an orphanage set up, and they find out everyone is... Er, to find out if anyone is searching for her, but there are no records of her to be found. Just then, someone from the Einkrad Liberation Force comes in trying to extort this daycare orphanage, um, but is sent retreating when Asuna shows off her skills, and then Yui suddenly starts to panic and glitches before she becomes unconscious. So yeah, like a lot of shit's going on, and there's this, this mysterious little girl who would terrify me of a little child just walking through the forest, and then immediately starts calling me mom, or Papa or Mama or whatever, and I'm just like, yeah, that's a that's <laughs> But it was also cool that we found out that there was like this daycare orphanage place that it was for like all these little kids yeah. that join because this, I mean, I guess was it ready for like all ages if they were because these kids were, literally looked like six to seven like they they were indeed yeah. like kids but 
Dude, how how bad would those parents feel? Like, yeah, I'll buy you this game that's rated M, and then give it to them, and then they're stuck in this game prison for years. Yeah, they'll never be allowed to play video games ever <laughs> for the rest of their life. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> so, at this daycare, once Yui wakes up, they are visited by Euler, who is the second-in-command of the ALF, which is the Minecraft Liberation Force. I just don't want to keep saying that. And explains that Thinker, the leader of the guild, was overthrown by Kibaru, who was the asshole in the first episode, who trapped Thinker in a dungeon on the first floor. Kirito, Asuna, and Yui agree to help. When they see him stuck in a safe zone, they rush over only to be ambushed by a boss named Fatal Scythe. Kirito and Asuna try to fight it, but are instantly overwhelmed, which is Pretty surprisingly, because they are both one of the top tier players. So this is when Yui steps in and ends up destroying Fatal Scythe, revealing that she's in fact an AI designed to aid players, but was shut out by the game master Akihira or Akiba Kayaba. I forget his name. Kayaba. Akihara Kayaba. She wanted. She did wanted to be their daughter for a little longer because she enjoyed like the company and everything. But the game starts to delete her due to her interference. But Kyoto was able to quickly access the game master console and was able to save Yui's code in an in-game like item of a crystal drop that he gives to Asuna. You know, I don't quite remember how he managed to access the Master Council, but at the same time, it's like, if you could do that, why have you not done it before? It was like... I don't exactly remember what caused this. Yeah, Yui actually accessed it. When they went to the safe zone or whatever, she, like, was able to access and pulled it up, and so she kind of just, like, left it there, and he was able to just secure that before getting kicked out. So that's why it wasn't like he just made like all mysteriously just started hacking it. Yui basically hacked into it because she's part of the program. And then it was like left open and he was able to do all that before getting kicked out. Gotcha. Yeah. That, that rings a bell now. But uh, yeah, so their simple life of being a mother and father are slowly coming to an end. They return back to their cabin when Kirito encounters uh, Nishida, an avid fisherman who mentions that he has never cooked anything he has caught due to his level being so low. Kirito offers to have Asuna cook for them when Nishida uh, recounts a story of a huge fish that he's failed to catch and asks Kirito for help. Kirito helps him catch this fish that turns out to be a huge monster but asuna defeats it easily and the def- the villages the village enjoys some very delicious fish but the happiness doesn't last long as he he cliff summons the two of them back into action you know i mentioned that they only had a few weeks of pto well they're pto <laughs> right now so once they arrived they learned that a team of 20 guild members encountered the boss room and were trapped unable to use the teleport crystals to get away and they were killed now they assembled a new team, including Kirito Asuno, Asuna, Klein, and Ajil, all together to defeat the 75th boss, 
the Skull Reaper. This is when, like, the animation kind of took a weird turn because it went really 3D for a moment. I don't know if you remember yeah, that. So, yeah, there's there's this thing that um, anime does when they're trying to make really intense scenes and they want it to be more complex than just shell, cell shading that they actually go to CGI. And if not done right, it really can be th- very th- off-putting and thrown off. I don't think it was yeah, as off-putting yeah. as other things. It was just, like, weird for a moment that it didn't... It took a minute to get Yeah, used. like, I understood the intensity and everything. Like, it did convey it pretty well. Like, it wasn't as off-putting as, like, I've seen in way other animes. But yeah. it was just weird all of a sudden that, like, it just changed for that one moment. Yeah. Yeah, I don't mind a little bit of, like, CGI here and there throughout anime. I just don't like the anime that are completely CGI. Like, the anime Ajin is pretty... I can't watch it just because I hate CGI looking because it's so unnatural. It's very creepy. I had to finish that because so, I had to know how the story ended. <laughs> I just decided to read the manga. Fair enough. <laughs> Which is fantastic. I totally forgot that was a thing because I saw it was a Netflix thing and I'm like, I know Netflix doesn't come up with their own shit because they always take mm-hmm. it. It's just Netflix produced it or whatever. So I, I guess I should have yeah. looked for it. But because it was CGI, I thought maybe it was only like a Netflix thing. So I didn't even bother uh, looking for the manga, but I should have done that. Yeah, it's super good. Um, I don't know how not to go off topic, but I don't know how if they follow one-to-one i'm sure they do but um yeah maybe we do a topic on that because i really enjoyed the the story yeah it's pretty good but to not get too far off topic (laughs) during the intense battle they did end up losing a few members but ultimately were able to defeat the boss and we learned that like this was the first time they lost members not including the 20 that got ambushed because apparently they don't count that was the first time they lost a like members in a boss battle and like since like the fiftieth floor or something. So they've actually been really good about boss battles. And while everyone seems injured, Heathcliff Health was the only one to remain in the green when Kirito suddenly attacks him and a mess a message indestructible object is revealed over his head. Kirito then explains to everyone and exposes him to be Akihiko Kayaba, his he is Heathcliff. Impressed that he figured it out, he offers him a chance that if he can defeat him here and now, Kirito would beat the game, as he explains he is the final boss on the hundredth floor. Akihiko paralyzes everyone so they can't interfere, and the duel begins. Kirito can't seem to land a hit, and just when the final strike that would kill kill him goes. Asuna somehow breaks free of her paralysis and protects Kyoto, dying in the process. Struck with grief, he can't muster up any strength as to keep fighting as Kaiba ends up killing Kyoto. Except for the fact that Kyoto somehow managed to override his health bar and kills Kaiba in return. We see Kyoto appear on a floating platform watching Ainkara disintegrate where he meets up with Asuna and he apologizes for dying as well. Kaiba then shows up and informs him that he had beat the game and that the remaining surviving players 
while all simultaneously logged out before disappearing. Finally, before Kirito and Asuna think they are about to die, they decide to tell each other's real name as they watch the world fall apart and Kirito wakes up in the hospital room. That is the end of the Aincrad arc. And that is the end of Sword Art Online. (laughs) (laughs) So some of my... Unless... no, I was just gonna say I know some people say the newer seasons are pretty good, so I don't want to write it all off. So anyway, continue. just some of my like final remarks of it is like when I first watched it, I had I have different opinions now from when I first watched it to now. When I first watched it, yeah, I was like, I wish they showed more floors, but at the same time. It's an MMO. If you know anything about MMOs, a lot of it does get a little repetitive. It's like would be like the very same thing, just like with new monsters and everything. So it would have been hard to make like 25 episodes of Aincrad necessarily without getting repetitive. Because if you think about it, they kind of explored quite a bit. They explored the very beginning uh, and then what it's like for other players when he joined like the Moonlight Black Cats, what it's like for other players who weren't on the front lines. They did a whole story on like Agile, how he runs a shop and everything during that investigation of how like what other people are going through and like the whole laughing coffin scenario, how there's good and bad people. Same with the whole Silica thing about how even if they're not part of laughing coffin that once again, there are still people who like to play the bad role. And they basically explained everything of what like an RPG can do. And they even went on a break to explore the relationship between the two main characters. So you could have dragged out some of that. But like, how much would you have been able to enjoy that if, like, say, Silica, that whole scenario went on for like two episodes or the thing with Lisbeth went on for two episodes. Like the battle between the dragon was a lot more intense or something like that. Everything would have just got a lot more repetitive. So I do, mm-hmm. I'm not discrediting it by any means, but I'm just seeing like, I feel like it would have been way too repetitive when people kept th- saying like, Oh, I want to see more floors. I want to see more floors. Yeah. It would have been, people would have been like man why they put so many floors in the only thing i wish that they did this is okay spoiler alert for the second season gun gale online it's nothing too detrimental to the story i won't spoil anything but just it's a flashback in gun gale online that goes back to this einkrad in that flashback they show that they actually fought laughing coffin they found like their hideout and they were going to try to take them prisoner but a huge fight broke out and kirito ended up killing two people during that fight because it was like a life or death situation why wasn't that in Aincrad? like yeah that would have been very big for his character development because like he already killed one person already that we've seen but the fact that he had to do it a couple times would have been pretty significant. It's like Laughing Coffin was prominent throughout this and like was a very kind of like a dark force. But mm-hmm. it's like, 
Oh, I guess that actually wasn't part of Gun Gale. I think, no, it was part of Gun Gale. Yeah, it was part of Gun Gale. We learned that. Yeah, because I was going to say, I don't remember that portion, and I haven't it's seen like, Gun Gale. It's like, unless they literally just added that in Gun Gale to, for the sake of the villain in that. But it's like, mm-hmm. it's, there was like a laughing coffin, not even like arc, but like just a couple episodes, how they spent a couple episodes in their cabin, a couple episodes about laughing coffin and trying to do that. That would have been cool. Like there were, don't get me wrong, yeah. there were still more aspects they could have done. I just don't know if they could have done it in 25 episodes. So I think that's why they kind of left out so many things because they needed to like split it off because otherwise it if they added like that laughing coffin for two extra episodes, let's say it would have been like sixteen, which would have been like really weird because it fell out of the twelve to thirteen episodes of like a one season thing, but shy of the twenty three mm-hmm. to twenty five episodes of a one season thing as well. Those were, yeah. Um, all those. I basically completely agree with all those points. Like. There was there was stuff they could have done that would have been more significant and stuff they could have left out that would have been nice. But overall, I don't think it was terrible until the second half. And then you start to get some like incestual vibes. <laughs> and yeah, it it's very interesting. But overall, I think they did the video game portion good well, like well enough. And yeah, wasn't too shabby. Um, so, you have any questions for the day? Uh, my question of the day would have been, I guess we kind of already went through it. What would you do if you were an SAO? Would you have been trying to mm. been a frontliner? Like, would you want to join the Knights of the Blood Oath to be a frontliner? Would you have just joined a guild like the Moonlit Black Cats with friends and tried to like just slowly level up? Would you have gone the crafter route? Would you have been a beater like Kirito? What would your role have been? Well, to be perfectly fair, I would not have been good enough to even be in the beta <laughs> test. So well, a lot of beta bad. tests don't necessarily need, because if you remember what he said, he was like, a lot of people couldn't even beat the first floor in the beta test. So they get they tend to get a lot of different people, because for a beta test, you don't want just people who know like that type of genre. Sometimes you want like a mix of people who have never done it. So like you can get a feel of like what new players would do in case they encounter glitches that you don't think of because they're new players. Very true. Good point. Yeah, no, I would be a support character. I would not be able to handle uh <laughs> playing on the front lines like a regular i would have been definitely i probably would have because i've during the time i watched this if i was transported then i probably would have been the one trying to raise my levels but i would have been like a moonlit black cat but as of now when i play mmos i really start to enjoy the crafting route because i like the whole gathering materials and creating new things so I think as of now, I would have definitely gone the crafter route. Fair enough. Yeah, I would be a support. But yeah, I want to know what you guys think. Like, what type of players would you guys be? Um, yeah. 
And I think that's it for this episode. Don't really have any facts for today. But, uh, yeah. So that'll be it for this episode. Don't forget to show us some love and support on Patreon.com slash And, of course, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Weebspawn. And contact us at Weebspawn at gmail.com. I've been your host, Bobby. And I'm Joshua. And we will see you guys next time when we Weebspawn.